As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Business of Sport podcast on The Athletic. Each week, we'll take you behind the curtain into the world of football, business and other sports across the globe. Alongside me today from The Athletic is football news reporter Matt Slater. And there is only one place for us to start. Nothing says I'm thinking about you and your horse like Eivor Williams' trailer. Tilt bed, beaver tail, tipper, horse box, livestock, you name it. So... If you're looking to really wow them this year, and you own livestock, visit Ivor Williams. Why are Rob and I pitching a North Whalian trailer manufacturer? Well, because we just became owners of Wrexham Association Football Club, and they're our team sponsor. You may have never heard of Wrexham, the race course ground, or Ivor Williams, but you will. So to the Wrexham Supporters Trust, thank you for your faith and trust in us. We are humbled and we're already getting to work. <laughs> oh, shit. This is really happening. Uh, well, today we are going to look at Wrexham's Hollywood takeover after actors Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney were this week given the green light to purchase the club from the Supporters Club. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, then I her- urge you to head to theathletic.com slash Ornstein and Chapman where you can sign up for just £1 a week and you can read Matt's piece on this in full. We're going to talk to Spencer Harris, a director at Wrexham, who's been fully involved in this process. But but first, Matt, it is a remarkable story. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I don't think even Chester fans can hear that and not smile. It's just funny, but, but sort of heartwarming as well. Maybe maybe it's not warming hearts in Chester, but it is funny. What a story. Well, the background to this is Wrexham, famous old club, you know, a solid EFL club for most of their history, sort of third, fourth tier, had had moments in the second tier, perhaps best known for, um, for beating Arsenal in a famous FA Cup upset, but also their kind of adventures in Europe, uh, in the Cup Winners' Cup, the old Cup Winners' Cup, which they... Um, which they kept qualifying for because they would win the Welsh Cup most years and there's been some great games back in the 90s and 80s that that I'm sure Spencer will regale us with. Really good club, well run now, but not very well run a decade or so ago when they nearly went bankrupt, got relegated to, to the National League, to the old conference, fifth tier of English football. 
They're one of four Welsh teams that play in the English football leagues, professional football leagues. The other three are all in the south of the country, um, right in the south of the country. And uh, Wrexham have have the top half of Wales, which I think is why this is also a very good business story, because they have this brand. They are the third oldest professional team in the world, the oldest team in Wales. They have a famous ground as well, the Racecourse Ground, which is the oldest stadium in the world that is still international stadium in the world that is still staging internationals. As I say, they've got this wonderful heritage. And ever since the fans bailed them out 10 years ago uh, and have been running the club ever since, they've been running it very well. They've been unlucky. to It's a hard league to get out of the National League, which I think Ryan and Rob might discover. Been to the playoffs four times, but they managed to do it without making losses, which is very rare. Very rare for anyone sort of below the Premier League. So these Hollywood A-listers, yeah, for two million quid, they're getting this club and um, they've made an amazing go of it so far. There's going to be a documentary and you could argue, and some have, that this is a cheap way of making a, a compelling sports documentary. I think there is more to it than that because there's a lot of upside here, which I, I know Spencer believes and I buy it, to be honest. I think Wrexham... There is a journey, there is, there is a, a, a pathway back into the FL and back up the pyramid. There's a good catchment area there. There's things already in train in terms of development around the ground, a new station I understand. This is a joint venture with the Welsh Government and the local authority and the local university. So there are, there's, there are things happening at Wrexham that make this a good investment. And then you add in the magic, right, that it's not just anyone. It's these Hollywood A-listers. So, you know, it's a great story, but it's a really, it's an interesting business of sports story as well. There are so many different ways that we could go with this, and we probably will over the next however long, with Spencer Harris, director at Wrexham, who took the call uh, when interest was first expressed over in Hollywood. Um, before I come on to that first time that the phone rang, Matt said about the upside of of this takeover what's the biggest upside for you as a let's not forget as a volunteer at the club as a fan of the club as a man whose heart is in the club this is a quite a smart move i think uh, from ryan and rob because if you look at the landmass of the uk and uh, and matt already alluded to it and um, there's around nine hundred thousand people in which this club could uh, could quite easily represent in North Wales, so that there's there's a lot of local headroom to go uh, to go to, but in terms of the journey and uh, and taking it beyond uh, the sort of regional in, into the sort of global and international, then th- there's a, there's a really great story of a club that was in in a really bad state then when we took it over. It 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 was it lost uh, our previous owners sold our ground our training ground all the land around it to pay for the the debts that they ran up we took on three quarters of a million pound per annum uh, operating losses and half a million pound of debt and it took us three years to clear all the debt and get us to a break even and we've run sustainably uh, ever since so so the supporters have taken us on that journey to today and even after a global pandemic uh, you know right in the middle of that nine nine months almost with with limited income we're still cash in the bank and hand, handing over a club debt free so there's a really good story looking back but then looking forwards that there is a, an even more compelling story because these guys uh, are, have got great reputations and 
unlike many uh, many takeovers where some of the money that can come in that can come into football can be seen as bad money or you know the people that get involved are, are not nice guys these are the complete opposite of that and whilst i think in many in many cases clubs and fans of other clubs can be quite jealous i actually think there's a there's a groundswell of support across the country for these guys to do well it's a really i think that's a really interesting point in all of this because you you see takeovers that happen well, you know, probably once or twice a season, maybe. And I know, Matt, in your article, you talk about the, the kind of links with Portsmouth, fan-owned and Disney coming in to, to, to take over Portsmouth. There's always a suspicion, I think, from a huge majority of traditional British football fans who will look at takeovers from foreign from foreign investment groups and foreigners in general and go, oh, what what do they want? But the way Reynolds and McElhenney have played this means that they're they're viewed as kind of warm and funny and self-deprecating. And that's put a very different spin on another takeover by a foreign group. I've heard comments about this is about a documentary. Where these guys are at is they want to come in and they want to take the club the uh, and the community on a journey. And the documentary will be one of the things that can sort of help elevate and bring the club to a, a global audience. And I'll give you a couple of examples of how they're doing things, not only differently, but in the right way. Within five hours of us having announced the, uh, the, the result of the vote, and in advance of us having signed sale and purchase agreement, they'd already had uh, contact and, and talks with uh, the the leader and the chief executive of the local authority, with our sponsors, with our with our manager, one of our disabled supporters uh, who's seriously uh, disabled. He put out a GoFundMe because he he needed some new shower facilities in his in his home. Um, and Wrexham fans were starting to donate to that GoFundMe page. And last night, Rob McElhenney put in the entire you know, £6,000 that was required for that. This is the type of people that are getting involved and, and they've said they want to be as, around as long as we'll have them. And I, and I truly believe that, that, that it's going to lead to a bright future, albeit the National League is uncompromising. Uh, and in our history, I think Matt referred to it earlier on, one season we got 98 points, which is the highest total in, in the history of the top 10 divisions of English football to still not get promoted. And Jamie Vardy scored all the goals for Fleetwood that season. They got 103. Yeah. And I still throw things at the telly when he, when he plays <laughs> Leicester or England. Other non-league fans have contacted me to sort of raise this point that, yes, this is a wonderful story. I think we all agree, particularly in the context of 2020. But there's a... I mean, I don't need to tell you this, Spencer, that non-league football can be a jealous place. And at the moment, it's a story we can all get behind. But you're going to be the Man City now. Everyone's going to raise their games when they play you. And there's always a team in any National League season that's perceived to be the money team. For a long time, it was it was Salford, wasn't it? And um, yeah. I think it, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how. I don't know if it will be to the same extent that Salford and other teams have, have experienced it. Crawley, to a lesser extent, I guess. You might lose some of that popularity. And 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 how will Ryan and Rob deal with that when their project in North Wales isn't universally loved? I I wonder if that's a challenge that they have started to 
ponder? What I would say is there are a lot of, even today, a lot of extremely well-funded clubs in the National League who were all vying for that one uh, promotion spot. And, and that really is a glass scene. I'd love to see that change in, in the future, regardless of whether we finally make it back to the Football League or, or, or not. But there's a lot of clubs. And, you know, we would be kidding ourselves if, if we thought that a Sutton or a, you know, or Stockport County or, or anybody else is rooting for Wrexham to get <laughs> <Yeah>. promoted. <laughs> they, they want their own club to go up. So I'd have no problem with other clubs, um, you know, seeing us as a rival. They already see us as, as a rival. So, you know, that that's going to happen, whatever. But the, I, I think Rob and Ryan, you've seen in their opening salvo, I think they will come at this in a very different way and, and have a, a little bit of fun about it. I've been not surprised, but... Um, but really pleased to see how humble they've been about this. You can see they use the word humble in their opening um, in their opening video. But the first, the very first time that I met them, what they said was, "We are not the experts on football. Mm. Um, we're not going. We're not there to pick the team or or to get involved in in the real detail. We're there to." write the checks and we will be involved in, you know, in, you know, some of the major decisions, but we're going to put people in place around us who do know the football world. When you first took the call, just explain how that process worked and how much convincing you needed. When, when you're not in the football world, it's very difficult to appreciate and understand how, how surreal the football world is. Um, it doesn't act and behave like any other business that I've been involved in. But what what happened was going that I, I got a call uh, in May from the the chief exec of of Portsmouth who who asked me would I be prepared to take a call from somebody around investment into the club. Gave me a bit, a bit of detailed background around the credentials of the people who wanted to talk to me, and of course as a representative of of the fans. I was more than happy to take that call to to hear what somebody ha- had to say. So, you know, that was from you know Inner Circle Sports, mm. which is an investment bank in in New York, and we started to talk about over the over the coming weeks more about Wrexham as a club, how how it's doing on and off the pitch, and really getting into the you know some some detail around around uh, how we were structured and, and and how how we do things and over the over the the few weeks the first few weeks that was on the basis that we didn't actually know who the investors were we knew that they were um famous people uh, we knew that the 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 type of thing that they what the type of project I, I hate that word in football by the way but <laughs> yes unfortunately <laughs> Um, the type of thing that they wanted to do at a football club. And we were willing to go along with that uh, and just to, to sort of do that snake dance in the first few weeks. And then when we got to, you know, where the interest really started to solidify, it, we got into a state where we could uh, agree a non-disclosure agreement. And then, you know, we could get into, you know, knowing who, who the guys were and get into discussions with them. First of all, how do you then explain that to other fans? Because fans, by their nature, a lot of the time are sceptical about these kind of things, as we've already discussed. And then how much do you turn it over in your mind, given your association with the club? Because 
relinquishing control of a of a fan owned club must be tough. As, as a trust, I like to think that we run the club extremely professionally. I, I think our finances and our track record. Uh, and the relationships we've now got, you know, over those nine years, we've got the race course back on a 99-year lease. And in this deal, we retain the headline lease, by the way. You know, we brought international football back uh, to the race course. We've had a full men's, ladies, international in the last 18 months and eight under-21s internationals. We put on concerts, all sorts of things. So we've run the club really, really professionally. But in in terms of so, so what that means is when 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 we uh, when we got into the you know the the discussions in the early stages, even though we are fan owned, we we did have a responsibility to take those conversations up to the point in where it was ready for consumption by the wider fan base. So they do uh, put their you know it, it is a it it is a uh, fans own club. But it doesn't operate in the way like you know the old myfootball.com did at at at, uh, at Ebsley, right? It, it, it's yeah. run in a similar way, you know that the, the fans are, are the owner and they 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 put people in place to run the the club on their behalf. And then when we got to a stage where we could bring back uh, to the to the fans, um, you know this is the this is the headline deal. We, we brought that to a, a special general meeting to be able to say. You know, this is what the deal looks like. But at that stage, we still weren't able to share with them who the people were. So we could give them the sort of headline of uh, terms of, of deal sheet, but not not the people, because um, we were still under NDA at that point. Yeah. And we asked for their permission to continue the discussions, and they overwhelmingly gave it. And soon after, we we, we released Rob and Ryan's name. But but for coming back to us as individuals, I, I've... You know, being, you know, it's not just me. That there's there's volunteers doing things at every level of this football club, and that's been our competitive advantage over the years. But me and a, and a small band of others ha- have, uh, you know, been the ones uh, running the club. So to, you know, on a personal level, when something consumes so much of your life, at the point in which you know, you can see the the sort of finishing line where where that no longer happened. It's a scary pro- prospect, but it's the right prospect because we've only ever been in this for for the best of Wrexham Football Club. That that's why we've we've volunteered all of that time over the years, and you know the, the fact that you know we're going to turn around in a few weeks and and sort of look at each other and think, well, what do we need to do? Well, we are it's immaterial. Well, we ought to say, Spencer, as well. You know, you work you work for a multinational company, don't you? And you're trying to get that ready for Brexit at the same time. Is that not right? Yeah. Um, I mean, no, talk I about a lot. Talk about a lot on your plate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've got a, a big job off the off off the football pitch, as, as it were, <laughs> and a lot of responsibility. Um, when you add that to um, you know trying to run a, a football club during a global pandemic with all of the challenges and protocols that that, that brings with it. And then um, you're in discussions with a New York investment bank and two A-left Hollywood stars to sell your football club and trying to bring all the detail information and take the community with you. It's there's a few plates spinning. Spencer, what's harder, getting Kellogg UK out of Europe or Wrexham out of the National League? (laughs) Well, getting Wrexham out of the National League, it's it's tough. It is a really tough, tough uh, division, and and there's a lot of good clubs, and you know there's a there's a there's a lot of ambitious clubs who have come from 
you know, very lowly backgrounds with not many fans behind them, but they have high ambition and lots of money. In many cases, far more than clubs in, in the Football League because, you know, these are people who've got, you know, in, invariably people get involved in football and, and they're people who, who've, who've done well for themselves in life and want to have some fun or they want to do something uh, with that money that they've made. And, and the National League is... It's a really, really, it's it's a real mixture of, you know, some clubs that that you know struggle to survive and are doing everything they can to survive, but others that you wouldn't expect that are spending vast mm. sums of money. I suppose I've got a quick numbers question to ask you. When we can get fans back in, which we 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 hope will be soonish, what percentage of your crowd do you think will be wearing Deadpool outfits? <laughs> well, well, it's funny enough. Uh, I've seen it in news. We, we've had all sorts of, of uh, I've seen all sorts of things on social media of, you know, postmen going round Wrexham in in Deadpool outfits. A guy going round on a on a sort of scooter. And it, it sort of Deadpool is it is everywhere. Um, but you know, just in case they're listening, I I, I wouldn't just want to focus on on uh, Ryan because no, of course Rob, Rob is just as uh, famous in different ways, perhaps more so in the US than in in uh, in the UK. Although his, his show is very very funny, uh, and you know, it's going to be a joint venture between the two of them. But you know, perhaps we should consider the new mascot maybe being dead. <laughs> Um, Matt, Matt earlier on, Spencer gave us gave us some idea of of the area that Wrexham is in, the catchment area it has, maybe the potential it has, with also a little bit of the history of the club. I mean, this is a podcast that is listened to um, in a whole variety of different countries, so this question isn't designed to 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 trip you up in five years' time. This is just for people listening to say, in five years. Where could they be hearing about Wrexham? What what could Wrexham achieve given the area that they are in? And you know there aren't very many clubs around. That's that's a big area with potential. Yeah, what, what I would say is, and I'll sort of touch back on what I said earlier on is my belief, and even it under community ownership, um, my, my belief was always the most difficult step in Wrexham AFC's progression is getting up the National League. Mm. Um, you know, the, there's there's some clubs who've chucked a lot of money at, at, at the National League and, and either not made it or taken several years to to, uh, to to get through that. What is a glass ceiling? And, 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 and I really hope at some point in the future the FA uh, do look at do look at that. Um, but so so I think that's the hardest step. Let let's let's take a working assumption that that we can we can do that. Um, and I wouldn't want to presume that that's going to happen. But but let's take take a scenario where we did. I, I could see us rising uh, the divisions, even if it was under com- community ownership. I, I think you know we could we could be probably more competitive in league in league two. Than in the league that that we've been in under our ownership, so yeah. um, so so I do I do think if we can get out of the national league, I I think you know League One was something that we could challenge for. But why not go go beyond that? I can go back when I first started porting the club, albeit as as a very young child in in the late seventies when 
when my father took me to the games and, and Wrexham were getting fifteen to 20,000 supporters in, in what was the championship uh, back then uh, and the season we won the, the, the third division to go up to what's now the championship Bill Shankly said that was the greatest ever side not to have played in the first first division uh, um, so you know the, there is a there is a history there that there's an opportunity to build that fan base. It's it wouldn't be based if, if you think about building a fan base. People people love brands. That that's what people love, yeah. and they like to be associated with with brands. And and if you've got, you know, if if you've got um, Ryan Rob in the stands, you know, maybe The Rock and Hugh Jackman <laughs> over the occasion. <laughs> Then you know who who wouldn't want to be at, at, at the race course. Um, and, and, but <laughs> what that'd be an amazing director's box, wouldn't it? But, that. But Hugh, just, Hugh, Hugh Jackman, <laughs> The Rock, and Ra Reynolds and Rob, brilliant. Yeah, just just on on that. Um, one of the conversations I did have um, with <laughs> with Ryan through this process whilst he was on on Zoom, he was actually in full costume on the set. <laughs> And the rock was about, so there you go. <laughs> when you when you come off that Zoom call, do you then go and tell somebody? Do you then go? Do you then go and say you'll you'll never guess the 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 Zoom call I've just had, or do you keep that to yourself? Um, I can only speak for myself, but I've always prided myself on um on my professionalism sure. and the um. And I've always viewed any secret that I know is Rex Methsey's, um secret and, and not my own. So, did you hang on, hang on, hang on? Did you? And I, and I appreciate all of that. But did, I mean, we've already heard my dog has got involved th- this morning. So, when you were doing your Zoom calls, are you doing them? at work or are you doing them at home because obviously a, a family home is <laughs> is very busy at this time because nobody could go anywhere else so there's still the the i mean i could just imagine you on a zoom call somewhere in your house and somebody either walking past your computer or accidentally going into your office however, however it's set up and, <laughs> and looking at your computer and staring back at them is the rock and ryan reynolds uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so the the uh, fair, uh, what I have to say is I, I, I'm I'm blessed to have a wonderful family, really supportive wife and kids who uh, who have um, you know they they've always been really supportive. They're all Wrexham fans, and you know when when I'm on um, when I'm on calls to do with with Wrexham, then you know they they stay out the way. You know I, I have been fortunate that. You know, nobody walked in to have a look. And so, um, you know, the Deadpool having a chat with their dad. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, and and a final thing, just because it, it goes back to something you said when you were talking about the disabled fan, and, and we've touched on it with Matt before, t- spoke about it with George Colkin when talking about Newcastle takeovers, that, that communities get very excited, and rightly so, when someone wants to take an interest in their own community and put money into their community and try and help the whole community, not just the football club. And this is what we're also seeing here. Yes, 
absolutely. You know, in their first conversations with local authority, you know, they, they're talking about what, you know, what can we be doing to help the community? What are what are the asks from the local authority? They, these these are the types of uh, people that that they are, and I think just the power and and pull of their celebrity will will bring all sorts of wonderful opportunities for the town and for the re region you know and, and and if you think about it really north wales is a hotbed of celebrity at the moment with Hampton deck at Gwyrch castle yeah. <laughs> um, just up the road from us um, but i think we've trumped it with uh, with with deadpool and always sunny in philadelphia right Brilliant, brilliant. It's been so good having you on. Thank you so much, Spencer. I know you're, you're bombarded with interview requests at the moment, so thank you for giving us your time. You're welcome. Okay, thanks both. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Overwhelmingly positive discussions is how the EFL described the latest round of bailout talks with the Premier League last Thursday. But a week on since that statement, we don't appear to be any closer to a resolution. League One and League Two clubs are the clubs most in need of financial assistance and the most at threat of going under. Uh, we can welcome the chairman of League Two Club, Harrogate Town, Irving Weaver, onto the pod. Uh, thank you very much for doing this, Irving. What's the latest as you understand it as we record this? Well, you're right. There's still um, no no confirmation. Uh, and I've picked up on what happened yesterday, which, which really didn't go into the heart of League One, League Two. And I'm still not clear whether the 50 million that was proposed um, is 20 million grant and 30 million loan or it's a 50 million grant, which is really what's needed. Yeah, and there's a big difference, isn't there, <laughs> between between yeah. the two for you? We're just putting the day off, aren't we, really? And uh, I was pleased uh, that the Championship uh, League had uh, said, no, go on, boys, thanks for the solidarity, but go and take the help, uh, now it's available. So we really do, I, I don't know if, uh, if you boys have seen anything about that question, whether it's a grant or a loan. Well, I mean, I, I could perhaps jump in here in that, you know, my understanding yeah. is that the EFL, you know, League One and League Two, have gone back to the Premier League and said, "Look, yes, we like it. Can can we have another look at that, please?" And that's what we're we're in that holding pattern again. And I guess the complexity is there are so many moving parts to this. The Premier League, of course, have their own issues that we have heard about. They're making losses as well, and they are very, very, very keen to get fans back in. And there is this sort of dance that's happening with. Premier League under pressure to do you know the right thing by the rest of the pyramid to you know to, to deliver on that promise that they gave government back in whenever it was back in May April that if we can resume play in June with project restart you know that you will then help out the rest of the pyramids at the same time though the Premier League are like well okay yes brilliant very grateful and project restart went really well but you know, our projections were on the understanding we'd have fans in by now. And, you know, whilst we understand that that's not being possible, you know, is there is there light at the end of the tunnel on that? So that's the complexity here. I'm just wondering, Irvin, 
you know, how are things at Harrogate now? I mean, I we, we keep hearing about clubs that are in trouble. I don't think you you are in, you know, the sort of, you know, intensive care. But how are things going? We're OK. I mean, we came from a very low base because of uh, um, surprise promotion to the Football League. Let me put it that way. Um, it happened fairly quickly. And so, um, you know, we have a low cost base and that, that uh, grant that comes through, solidarity payment that comes through from uh, the Football League for League Two was a big big, big lift for us compared to where we were operating at in the National League. So we, the timing for us with the difficulties with no crowds was terrific because uh, it, it was such a still a big boost. Although we've got capital costs and I know there are grants we've achieved on that the, at the same time upgrading the ground. So there is there is pressure, but in the end of the day, um, uh, we're okay. And I, uh, I've been to Harrogate not that long ago. We did an FA Cup draw there, uh, met you, Irving, there. We've spoken uh, previously on, on other shows. It's interesting that you mentioned the fact that going up sort of took you by surprise because there are so many other clubs, as you're well aware, that, that gamble on promotion, at whatever stage of the football pyramid they are. And I just wonder... What what do you think can be done once this is sorted to make clubs more responsible, or is that pie in the sky? Well, no, it's not because you, you'll be aware that league, the football league imposed um, a mm. salary cap for League One and Two, and uh, it was like a, a big Christmas for us. We, we'd just gone up, and within a couple of weeks, this announcement came out, which was incredibly well received by me. I had a big smile that day because what great timing! Uh, because we were low based. Um, it wasn't a, a stretch for us at all to be under the cap uh, and leave us some headroom. But obviously, we'll bring clubs back to us over the next one or two, and even the third year might be with long-term contracts around. But it, it, what it does, it puts a level playing field for us against some, some very big uh, and well-organised clubs that are obviously in League 2 and probably are in League 2 temporarily because of their status and standing um, uh, from bygone days. I actually think um, chasing everything up obviously puts real pressure on. There's no bigger example than that than in mm. the championship. And Project Big Picture was obviously trying to set that on a straight, even path. And it had lots and lots of good issues in there that were recommended by the EFL. Yes, we're waiting for that to progress through. It's not yet dead. I think that is, I think the, the salary capping from League One and Two was a good basis in order uh, uh, to put that argument and support the EFL and their desire to sort the pyramid out for the next couple of 20 years. I think just so. on going back to the, the 50 million offer from the Premier League, and as you say, the original offer, the, the offer as it stands at the moment, is 20 million in grants and 30 million in, in loans. W- would, would you not be interested in a loan? Is, is, as, is, is that just kicking the can down the road? Are you only really interested in help if it is a grant? Well, I think that's um, a difficult answer. There's two answers. Yes, you put in it the, the, the can down the road. But if people are in, if clubs mm. are in real trouble, that then that gives it a stave and gives time for it to recover. It's still got to be repaid. I, I, I do think it's the grant is the, it, the grants are the solution. Obviously, I think we 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 have to hold. I uh, know because I think the league have got a parachute situation of of rescue uh, if somebody's in real trouble. Uh, and I listened to the select committee meeting in Parliament when there was a debate where Richard Masters said, and mm-hmm. they can come to us. So that's taking a bit of pressure, but that's, not off, but that's not where you want to be. And that's not how our life should be if we can just get things on an even, 
even keel. If I go back to that project big picture, were you frustrated in any way about the way that was covered? Um, Because, as you say, there are a lot of interesting proposals in there. and, And the way it was dismissed even maybe not even debated just focused on the control that the so-called top six wanted without actually examining some of the detail absolutely they missed the point completely Uh, and i thought the 14 other clubs were very quiet and i think rick parry was castigated very unfairly and to be to be fair to him he stuck with it and kept it on the agenda and used the the good parts and kept promoting and promoting and put pressure on it. And to be fair, the government have been very slow on crowds and they've been very slow um, in, in, in pushing us into uh, some regulation, uh, voluntary reg- regulation at the moment. I actually think uh, Rick Perry's done a great job in bringing forward the good parts that were never, the press never got hold of the good parts. They were always big six story, if you like, uh, and, and saying it was a power grab. And that was the headline. Well, that wasn't the headline at all. And yes, there was some awkwardness about that. And that distracted quite unfairly on, on something that actually, if everybody's interested in protecting the pyramid, then you have to get to some solution of even the flow out of finance. And that's a fact. And I, and I do think now it's going down the line as a promise mm-hmm. of March yep. 21. And, and, the, and nobody's going to let that pressure go. As I said, League One, League Two, sorry, Caps sets the scene and i think the next stage is salary cap setting the scene for championship but obviously that's linked to parachute payments or no parachute payments that's linked to how much money is coming through the system to give them their solidarity payment which is it gives them a chance to compete with i think why not why not just put the parachute payment in the um in the solidarity pot and share it share it that way well that's what came up uh, i've just read it this morning that's what came up in yesterday's discussion with oliver dowden uh, the three-way discussion, and that's exactly the 200 million is the, is the parachute payments going going through the EFL to smooth it all out. Oh, the, that's exactly well, what. I we mean, as again. you say, there is this big uh, review now that the Premier League is leading, um, and it should report in March. So there is now at least a timetable on the on the issue of time. I mean, Mar- March is better than never, but I understand there are clubs that are worried about payroll this month, certainly next month. What is the? What are you hearing from your peers? What's the? What's the mood in the league? I know. I don't. I'm not asking you to name names, but are you worried that some clubs will not be around in March? Matt, the only information I've got is um, what's been put out there that there are ten clubs who are who are unable to make payroll. Uh, that's all I've heard. Everybody is quiet within, uh, and I can understand that people want to keep their own financial situations to themselves and not share it with. With competitors, so I, I haven't I haven't any news on it apart from what's been in the press. Uh, just a final one, Irvin. More talk this week about fans being back in stadiums, maybe earlier than we thought. Although the message changes, well, I was going to say weekly. Sometimes the message changes uh, daily. And um, at your level, at League Two level, uh, do you think the majority of clubs have the capability to welcome fans back in safely? Cambridge were actually going to be the the club that tested it out originally weren't they well i think we've very been very serious about uh, the mm. protocols for for covid19 and you you you've got to only look at uh, how successful we've been managing to keep the fixtures going uh, and, and i think everybody's taking a lot of time and cost and uh, and a learning experience to to make sure um that and i've just received that this morning um say just come through and, and been checking our training ground 
uh, protocol and actually have now asked for an agreement on, on what the coach looks like. So, so we're all drilling down. And I think that's been successful. So that's a good indicator that we're well capable of, of looking after our grounds, particularly if they're talking about a 30% or even 20% capacity. It's well manageable. Uh, well, let's hope it happens sooner rather than later because you would support it, presumably, because it is manageable and everybody needs it. Yes. I mean, I, well, it would be inconsistent of what's happened so far. Well, it would, we'll look yes. where we're at with, uh, with <laughs> the second wave and, uh, and trying to get back everybody back um within the next month or so and, and i suppose uh, already there's I've, I've noted there's an edging of the bets that it could be new year yeah i think january so, um, i think january is it, it, possible yeah possible but it will all depend on where we sat won't it with this virus it will thank you very much for coming on irving always appreciate talking to you thank you thank you Irving. Thank thanks you. Matt. irving weaver the owner and uh, chairman of harrogate town mm-hmm.